the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back and Happy New Year Tuesday, January 2nd, 2023. Coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. In thinking about what to say about the new year, my mind kept going back to a famous old essay and book pushing up against about 35 years ago. That's what we would call a generation. We flipped the page on our calendar, or did, yesterday, and we commence a new year, a new march into the future, as we think a little bit about the past, or what we call history. In putting up new calendars, as we do this month of January, we were put in mind that January is named after the Roman god Janus, who looked both forward and backward. As I kept thinking about the new year, I kept thinking about the importance of history, and the thinking about history, I thought of that old, important essay that became a book about 35 years ago, The End of History and the Last Man, written by Francis Fukuyama. We can absorb a general understanding of his thesis written shortly after the collapse of Soviet communism as this. History and her long, bloody battles are over. The idea of the West and Western liberalism has triumphed. Man has developed with time and reaches different, always advances always advancing stages of thinking. That's the work and flow of history. Karl Marx, for what it's worth, famously redrew Hegel's work to claim it was material conditions, not history that shaped man and man it. So at the first glimpses at the ending of the Cold War, Fukuyama wrote this, quote, what we may be witnessing is not just the end of the Cold War or the passing of a particular period of post-war history, but the end of history as such. That is the end point of mankind's ideological evolution and the universalization of Western liberal democracy as the final form of human government, close quote. The final form of human government. An important note is the Fukuyama developed, he he developed a whole thesis and book writing on a word in that above sentence that carries an awful lot of weight. It's doing an awful lot of work. May, what we may be witnessing. Set history and philosophy aside for just a moment and look to this morning's news, what one might call the antipode to history. Two items. And the news, the current, the contemporary, seems to summon an interesting thing. A modern effort to vindicate a historic relic. Item one, quoting from Fox News. Iran's Alborz warship has reportedly entered the Red Sea, emerging at a time of heightened tensions in the key shipping route and ongoing attacks on vessels in response to the Israel-Hamas war. Close quote. Item two. The news comes as the USS Gerald R. Ford Aircraft Carrier Strike Group, which was moved to the eastern Mediterranean Sea following Hamas's deadly October 7th invasion of Israel, is heading back to its home in Norfolk, Virginia. Got that? Iran on the move and advance, the U.S. on the retreat and heading home. One thinks of Iran and wonders about the Fukuyama thesis. In other words, whatever happened to that, quote, universalization of Western liberal democracy as the final form of human government 
especially with a country hardly alone, organizing itself on principles birthed in the 7th century. About Islam, or political Islam generally, Fukuyama summoned a fair dismissiveness, writing, quote, In the contemporary world, only Islam has offered a theocratic state as a political alternative to both liberalism and communism. But the doctrine has little appeal for non-Muslims, and it is hard to believe that the movement will take on any universal significance. Wow. Of Iran, at the same time, Fukuyama wrote, it was more democratic than under the Shah. Little appeal is what he concluded and more democratic than its predecessor, who was an American ally. We look around the world today as we look at home, and we force ourselves to ask how the Fukuyama prediction and an analysis worked out. For someone writing expertly about ideological underpinnings and advances, it seems the non-Western and anti-Western ideological strongholds and forces behind them are on the march, showing acclivity. And Western thought is committing suicide, showing declivity. China is as militarily ambitious as ever. Iran is as resolute as ever. The Taliban is back in charge of Afghanistan. And there is an open debate as to who is winning in Ukraine, with representative headlines such as this one from The Economist just last month. Quote, Putin is winning the war in Ukraine for now. Close quote. The organized leadership of the world's countries denounce one of the most Western liberal countries in the world, Israel, multiple times since October 7th. But about Hamas, there are no resolutions. Perhaps all one needs to know about the world's countries is that their world body, the UN, would give a microphone and podium to Yasser Arafat in the midst of the Cold War, but not Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Here at home, we see waves of college students marching on behalf of Hamas, denouncing Israel and the United States as 20% of America's youth has a positive view of Osama bin Laden, and a majority of 18 to 24-year-olds hold that Hamas should be victorious against Israel, according to the latest Harvard-Harris poll. What proved Fukuyama so wrong, aside from the events and the diminished capacity to think others believe in their views? What stalled out the notion that with more access to information, say with the Internet, people would learn more and more about the lies of their regimes and choose to throw off or oppose their immiseration and incarceration? And where stands the conservative movement at home here, where supposedly we are about conserving something? Let me try it this way. We in the West, and with Western sympathies and thoughts, marvel at how well we come together and conserve and unite at certain times. For example, December 8th, 1941, or September 12th, 2001, or October 8th, 2023 in Israel. One wonders two things. One, why is it the forces aligned against us have December 6th, September 10th, and October 6th sensibilities? And two, how come we don't? In other words, the view of America first changed a bit on December 8th and September 12th. It came to mean something different than it did just a few days before, and that learning came at great cost. Why? Because we refused to understand the ideological forces and appetites of those we said were not our business. That memo just never got to the other side. And while we were lacking all conviction, others were full of passionate intensity. We have self-doubt they have self-confidence. Part of this is born of arrogance, the likes of which are melded by Dr. Fukuyama, blithely thinking the rest of the world is like us and shares our general values. Part of the answer is ignorance, thinking little about the goings-on 
elsewhere. And part of it is the sybaritic luxury wedding together the notion represented by 20 to 51 percent of Generation Z, taught by the New York Times, adopted and promulgated by the professorial class, that we should have it coming to us. And it was the end of Marxism that was the real problem. This could be a history-changing year in and of itself. It is, after all, an election year. The left in America is hardened, and it has hardened institutions like the education system and the major news organizations. Meanwhile, the conservative movement is divided. In his 1959 book, Up From Liberalism, William Buckley wrote, Liberalism is powerful but decadent. Conservatism is weak but viable. He would go on to write, quote, America, most historians teach us, has sought to avoid the extremes, to be flexible without resembling silly putty, to be principled without being arch. I think our country is not clearly enough avoiding the former extreme. I think she is in danger of losing her identity, not on account of the orthodoxy that we are being told in some quarters threatens to suffocate us, but for failure to nourish any orthodoxy at all all. Here's what we know. From the book of Matthew, as much as from Abraham Lincoln, as much as from history, divided houses cannot stand. In other words, we'd better get our act together and quickly. We will not be viable if divided. We will remain weak. And we better start nourishing our orthodoxies, the likes of which those around us, China, Iran, Russia, and over a hundred other countries, have no qualms about, and have no problem in doing. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. That was the 1987 chant led by Jesse Jackson and other leftists at Stanford just a few years before Dr. Fukuyama wrote his essay and book. Well, Western Civ did go. It went. That would be arch. It led to silly putty. But history did not hang up. In fact... It's calling on us now. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Coming to you live from the Patriot 960 AM broadcast studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. We are back to regular order with our music. Thank you, David Dahl, my producer. Did I welcome you all to the show? I didn't. Mr. Bill, Teresa. I remember you welcoming us to 2023. I did. Whoops. By name? By name. Wrong year? Wrong year. 2024. Never too late. That's why God made erasers and second segments. Now I need to play the Beach Boys. <laughs> That's why God made the radio. Okay. Uh, you had something on history and political and stuff? Sure. If you want me to go there, we can go Yeah, I don't there. know what it is, but it's your historical insi- insights are always yeah. keen. Oh, you're a model. And if they're not keen, then we'll make fun of them. <laughs> if you're not clean. Your monologue was reminding me of a 1980 Ronald Reagan ad. Yeah, let's see. And Do you part have of his speech from that campaign, yes. Okay, go ahead. Please hold to the president. Yes. Very slowly, a step at a time, the hope for world peace erodes. Slowly, we once slid into Korea, slowly into Vietnam, and now the Persian Gulf beckons. Jimmy Carter's weak, indecisive leadership has vacillated before events in Angola, Ethiopia, and Afghanistan. Jimmy Carter still doesn't know that it takes strong leadership to keep the peace. Weak leadership will lose it. Of all the objectives we seek, first and foremost is the establishment of lasting world peace. 
We know only too well that war comes not when the forces of freedom are strong. It is when they are weak that tyrants are tempted. Four times in my lifetime, America has gone to war bleeding the... The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of strength. Peace is made by the fact of strength, economic, military, and strategic. Peace is lost when such strength disappears, or just as bad, is seen by an adversary as disappearing. The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of restraint. I have repeatedly said in this campaign that I will sit down with the Soviet Union for as long as it takes to negotiate a balanced and equitable arms limitation agreement designed to improve the prospects for peace. The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of confidence. Whatever else history may say about my candidacy, I hope it will be recorded that I appeal to our best hopes, not our worst fears, to our confidence rather than our doubts, to the facts, not to fantasies. And these three, hope, confidence, and facts, are at the heart of my vision of peace. Strength. Restraint. Inspired leadership. The time is now. Reagan for president. You remembered that? Yes. Well done. Well, I I have a weird memory for things like that, and I watched that at some point. I was not there. (laughs) No, but you remember that ad in your studies or in your pursuits. Uh, Fantastic. Well done, sir. I take back almost everything I've said about you pejoratively. (laughs) It seems to me that that's exactly what needs to be said to President Biden right now. Yeah. You can sub Carter for Biden in that ad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was made in about August of 1980. We have still eight months to go until then. Well, we have a conservative movement also to buck up on this, Mm -hmm. too, because as I was referencing earlier, there is a house divided about that. You will hear in certain precincts of the conservative movement that that kind of thinking, that line of talk is through strength is outmoded. Um and was fit for that time, but not for necessarily this. But I think what Ronald Reagan said there is um, impermeably true, which is the attacks come not when the forces of freedom are strong, but when they are weak, not when confidence is high, but when it is low. That's what tyrants attempted. And our forces of freedom here are weak. And our confidence is low. Think about this. This is this is an immensely important thing. And it was definitive of the Carter years leading to the Reagan years. It was definitive of the Carter losses leading to the Reagan victories. Talk to anyone in the military who served circa 1977 to 1981 and talk to anyone who served in the military circa 1977 to 1989, if they stayed through the Reagan tenure, they will tell you what a difference a president makes, what a difference a culture of confidence makes. Um, It was an awful time to be in the military, most of them will tell you, in those uh, late 70s. It was a different attitude in the early 80s. Not that we're here to make people in the military feel good. But it speaks to something larger because they reflected an America that felt good about itself. I am not sure we are that country right now. I am not sure that we are. And in fact, it is of ongoing concern and worry to me 
that the kinds of things the military now speaks about from on high, not the rank and file, I don't think, but the general and officers class and the um, and the executive class that is promoting when they do promote military uh, recruitment is a reflection of something inconfident in this country. The problem is that in the world we live in, and it's not a new problem, but it's much worse than it's ever been, is that we don't just speak to ourselves. We speak to our enemies. What does it mean to Iran that they move in and we move out on the same day? What does that mean? What could that possibly mean? What does it mean when they are looking at an adversary or an adversarial power made up of an administration that is led by someone whose unpopularity is the highest of any sitting president at this point in a presidency. A president they all know is a laugh line here in America. He's a laugh line. He is, he is, he is a comedic punchline. Almost everything about him is. If it's not laughter, it's tears. That is not confidence. Now, as a conservative movement that, as I say, is here to conserve something, the question we need to ask is what first are we here to conserve? Uh, certainly an ideology, but most, I think, would agree this country. Um, this country can rot from within. We've seen such rot. And it can rot from the abandonment of its allies and security abroad. And it can be rotten and hollowed out by adversaries, adversaries coming in and taking over, whether financially, whether militarily, uh, whether ideologically. We are a country that has left ourselves open to that at all three levels. We are a country that Donald Trump did what he could when he was president about some of that. But as someone, and I wished I remembered who because I thought it was a brilliant point, said over the weekend, what he didn't do, what he didn't accomplish, that many want to criticize him for, he at least was the first in a very long time to raise and give voice to. That's worth recalling, too. Uh, this is 1980 all over again, David. Well done on that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, and welcome back to John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com, his website. He brings us the culture and economy update. It's, um, we've missed you around here, John. Happy New Year. I got the year wrong already, so let me try it again just to make sure we have it. <laughs> 2024. Happy 2024, John. You as well. Happy 2024. I am batting a thousand. I had to uh, put my name on some paperwork today twice, and I did date it correctly. So I'm batting a thousand. Yeah, so we'll I'm, how... I'm 50 50. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm batting 500. Um, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about this. this is an interesting change, maybe a lot of people didn't mm -hmm. know about. Uh, taxes already going up in a sense uh, yep. that Steve Moore was writing about today with regard to expensing. Did you want to say a word about that? 
Yeah, you know, for, for, for business owners out there, this is what we're talking about. Uh, if you're a business owner and you purchase items for your business, whether it's a copy machine or uh, even some vehicles can uh, certainly uh, be put in this category, I think it's Section 179, I believe it is. Uh, I'm not a tax advisor, but uh, what it basically is is you can write off the full value of certain uh, expenses in your business in the year that you make that purchase. Uh, which is a nice thing if you're doing some tax planning for your business. Maybe you had a very profitable year and you wanted to uh, lower that income uh, and you need some equipment. Well, this is a possibility where you can purchase that equipment and write off the full amount of it in the year that you purchase it rather than doing it over a period of years. Well, that is uh, something that looks like it may be going away here unless uh, some legislation is put back in place. Um, which basically will be reducing it by, it looks like 20% each year right. uh, as we're moving forward. Uh, so that's a pretty substantial hit to many businesses out there. And I would just say, well, let's think about that. If I'm a business owner and um, I need something, but yet I'm not going to really get a tax benefit if I purchase it, maybe I'll make the decision, you know what, maybe I don't really need that. So that really can affect uh, the you know uh, purchases in the future for many businesses out there, and that ultimately goes right to the bottom line of small business and uh, the economy. Inclu- so yeah, including growth and expansion and employment, yeah, right? Which yeah, is absolutely. Story we need to look at. Yeah. So not something I think that uh, you know is is a good thing for businesses right. out there, and I hope that that this is taken up uh, by um, somebody in Washington and they can get this back. Uh, in place. Now, the other issue is, Seth, uh, the market was down today. Right. Um, a little mixed today, actually. The Dow closed a little bit higher. But there was a lot of profit taking. You know, we had an incredible uh, run up at the end of the year from November through December. We had that Santa Claus rally. I mean, it was really a, a robust return after a bad quarter um, of Q3. Um, and why did all of a sudden the first day back of trading in 2024 we see this happen? Well, you know, I think a lot of people were waiting uh, to make some sales and take some profits in 2024. Mm-hmm. If I were to sell a stock today and I take a profit, I don't have to pay the tax on that until my tax return filing, you know, of April of 2025. Right. So I have a, a long period of time to delay the tax that I owe on that gain. Right. So most likely, that's probably what we saw, just some profit-taking today and a little pause in the market. I don't think it really meant anything for the fundamentals of, of and the And as you uh, said, DJ uh, uh, ended up up a little bit, I think. Down yeah, down, the, yes, it did. So um, it was just a mixed day. The, the one thing that it, it does look like most firms are predicting is that the unemployment rate, though, is looking to go up a little bit. And I think that can be related to some of that expensing issue. I can It can be related to a lot of things. Uh, there's an interesting where the job market is heading series of charts in mm-hmm. the Wall Street Journal I want to point people to. And right. um, that unemployment rate is ticking up and up and up. And it's being so and it's being analyzed uh, as such by almost all the big firms. Yeah, you know, and another uh, interesting uh, point I heard today, too, that uh, uh, some survey, I have to go back and really look at this, but the gist of it was uh, that many Americans out there today, the younger generation, uh, they're kind of happy with uh, maybe you know, kind of a medium type of an income yep. and not really striving for, 
you know, the best that they possibly yep. can. Maybe a four-day work week. You don't have to push it to five days. And, <laughs> and just making enough just so that you can get by is good enough. Yeah. Uh, and that, I guess that's good, but that certainly doesn't, you know, give credibility to the American exceptionalism. And it's that not we've growth. Called. And it's not growth. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's not growth. Yeah, it's exactly stagnancy. right. It's stagnancy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's very possible that we, we could see some things. And, and maybe interest rates will continue to fall. Maybe the Fed will cut rates this year. That's all you know, part of what uh, may be baked into this as well. We'll, we'll crunch we'll, it tomorrow. We'll, we'll so good to hear the, your voice, John. You too, Seth. Thank you so much. Again, a Happy New Year to all the listeners as well. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you. You 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 really like those Dick Clark uh, incoming voiceovers, don't you? Oh yeah, from American Bandstand. You know what he wouldn't have done? Announced the wrong year, like I did. You don't have to beat yourself. I up need about to beat it. myself up on it. That's the, not good to start the new year like that. It's good to get the major mistake out of the way fast and early, so that it's it's all downhill from here. Or, I think it's pretty- or as Zach Galifianakis <laughs> says in due date, it's all uphill from here. Right? <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I think it's pretty cool to have him put out some of our music for us. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Great Dick Clark. Uh, for those that's who a, that's a yeah. New Year's uh, yeah that's a New Year's reference right there. That's why yes. I used it. I don't just say things. Yeah, I don't just yeah, say things. New Year's Eve. Um, in case you hadn't heard, and it's interesting. Some of the commentary around the importance of this. Claudine Gay, the much beleaguered president of Harvard, has resigned. Um, It was an open question as to whether she would. The Harvard Corporation had had circled the wagons around her um, because why? Um, They're afraid of the left. uh, Because why? They're afraid of falling on their own sword when it comes to commitments to DEI and race-based preferences, um, because why? They didn't um, want to accede to the rest of the country because they are Harvard and they think they get to play by different rules. They think they are better. Uh, They think we are the great unwashed. I think a little bit of all of these things played a part in it. But as more revelations came uh, upon something like it was at least 40 last I looked, and then six or 12 more, six more today were announced, six more findings of, um, let's call it what it is, plagiarism. Um, This was no longer sustainable. It is interesting to me. Two parts of this are interesting to me. The first is three parts are interesting. Amongst the parts that are interesting, come in again. First part that's interesting is how much importance this is getting online. It's not because it's Harvard. There is a reason for this importance, and it's not because this is Harvard, and it's not because uh, a battle was won for the, for the good and for the good guys and good gals on this. It's that a lie was punctured. A lie was punctured, and something was fo- finally done about it. That's what's important here. Uh, Solzhenitsyn warned us not to live by lies. Claudine Gay's entire academic career at Harvard was a lie, much like Elizabeth Warren's career at Harvard was a lie. But Claudine Gay was the president of Harvard, and Elizabeth Warren was never the president. She was just a law professor who tried to become the president of the United States. That you were undone by this series of lies, A, her academic excellence and rigor, 
and qualifications and b what she had done in the hypocritical enforcement of standards of speech and comportment at Harvard. That's all interesting. It is a good thing that, shall we say, justice was done. Fiat justicia ruet colem. Let justice be done, though the heavens may fall. That's one aspect of this. A second aspect of this is the question as to whether we will now see more and more of this. Shelby Steele and Thomas Sowell and an entire coterie of conservative scholars in the 1970s and 1980s were doing the best they could to warn about what race-based preferences would do to the minority community in the negative. And finally, we have seen the accumulated wisdom of what they have been speaking about and saying for years, and that it is, in fact, doing no favor to any group you speak to be doing favor for when you put them in positions they are unqualified for and indeed scandals in and of themselves because of that very sole reason. You see it with Kamala Harris as the vice president, and you saw it with Claudine Gay. And I think everyone knows this about Kamala Harris now. No one needs her to resign, but they did with Claudine Gay. Another interesting aspect. She was brought to the attention of the world because of her lack of enforcement, lack of uniform enforcement of the very kind of um, pluralistic culture she bragged about enforcing when it came to Jews. That was what brought her to the world's attention, her inability to denounce genocide in front of a congressional panel. She wasn't brought down for that. She was brought down for further investigation into just who this person was, and it turns out not qualified plagiarist is who this person was. It's a little bit unsatisfying, a little bit, in the sense that Andrew Cuomo wasn't forced out of office because of killing elderly uh, elderly New Yorkers because of stupid policy he was warned about and against. He was brought about for what looks like in the light of history or in the light of day, looks like second-rate Me Too charges. That's what got him. It's kind of the old notion of we got Al Capone on – tax evasion, right? It's not for their worst things. That would be an in- I was talking with some friends the other day about this. It would be an interesting study. People that were brought to justice but not by the things they should have been brought to justice for. In any event, justice was done here. And of course, I urge everyone to read her letter. She goes down kicking and screaming as only someone in this position you knew would. You knew. Did you not? You knew that um, if she was going to go down, she would blame it on what the Harvard Corporation worried she would blame it on. Racism, you know, intolerance. And in her letter, she does indeed write, it has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly rigor, two bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. 
yes, we know that can be frightening. That's why there was a hearing on the calls to genocide of Jewish students at your campus. We do know that that can be frightening. But, you know, it also comes with a lot of hokiness, because in her resignation letter, she spoke of the work we need to do to build a future of combating bias and hate in all its forms, to create a learning environment, respect each other's dignity, and treat one another with compassion. That was her phraseology. Yes, again, Claudine, again, former President Gay, that is why you were hauled before Congress in the first place, because you failed at that very thing, and you failed miserably. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. They have a secure investment that actually helps people, and it gives you a lot of flexibility and control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. There are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you, of course, get a monthly statement with no surprises. This is a secure and collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Did you make any New Year's resolutions, young David? Sure, a lot of personal resolutions. Any that you like can that. share? Well, you know, just faith-oriented goals. Nice. Uh, more reading in my life. I've got a Raymond Chandler on my desk right now that I've already cracked open. Um, what else? Just uh, more, you know, personal goals. Trying to be a better person. Last year, I had a lot of more materialistic goals. You know, that some of them weren't realized. So this year, I think I'm gonna realize them in myself. I love it. I love it because you can always fix it the minute you fall short or the moment you fall short as opposed to things like weight loss or diet. Or well, let's not discount that too. <laughs> someone said the other day they're only making resolutions they know they can keep. So they resolved to lose a little hair and gain a little weight. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious about the books you th- thing that you said to read more books. I would like to read more. Someone put this up on the um, on on Twix. Um, so you've decided to make a New Year's resolution to read more books. You will fail. Reading takes patience, and too many have none. The brain is permanently damaged from a 16-hour-a-day screen time habit, and it won't recover. You cannot even read a single page without reaching for your phone. Now, that's cynical, but for too many, it's true. Have you ever had that problem where you have to say, okay, I've got to put the phone in the other room? Or do you read with the phone near you because you might want to look something up if it's nonfiction? Occasionally, I'll look something up if it's a reference that yeah, I don't understand I do because too. I read a lot of uh, historical books. Yeah. But... Generally, I will read in certain scenarios and situations where I don't have the option to look at my phone. A lot of times I read if I'm donating blood or things like that where I'm confined to a chair. 
Interesting. Yeah, or in a coffee shop or something like well, that. Well, you're you're made of different stuff. I would think most people giving blood would be on their phones. Well, yeah, I, I was too at some point. Yeah. Then I realized the great opportunity that I had to read with Yeah, you. no, you're, you're made of different stuff. Good on you. I'd like to know the books you plan to read this year. I'll share with you mine if you share with me yours. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 